What's up, guys? We're back. You're here with me, and it's time to jump back into Choice of Robots. But before we do that, uh, oh, I'm Rex McKenzie. I think everybody knows that by this point. I'm hoping by this episode you know that. You didn't just jump into episode six. That would be... that. Don't do that, because you won't understand what's going on. <laughs> Go back to episode one, because this is a whole story, all right? Uh... If the name is the same in the parentheses as the five episodes before, you want to go back to the very first time you see that name in parentheses. For this one, it's Choice of Robots. Everywhere you see Choice of Robots, go find episode one, Choice of Robots. That's the beginning. It's a, This is a text-based adventure podcast where I take you on a journey, good or bad. This one is kind of bad. Uh, I've chosen some some pretty basic bitch options and... And uh, it's made the last two episodes a little a little dull, a little slow. But hey, it's still a good story. I think the writing is beautiful. Um, if you haven't checked them out, go check out Choice of Games because they're awesome. And uh, and just you know, this is just a little. I'm, I'm going to jump back in, but I just wanted to kind of say thank you for all the recent listens, all the recent uh, uh, traffic. Uh, I whether that's you're only listening to thirty seconds or you are getting drawn in. I hope it's the second, the latter. But if it is only 30 seconds, thank you for those 30 seconds. I am truly grateful to see the numbers go up. I want that to happen. Um, I'm learning a lot as I'm doing this. And I think from here on, the next story on is going to be just a whole nother step. And I think from there, I can keep growing. Um, but I'm enjoying this podcast and doing this. And if you're liking it, please share with friends. Tell me in the in comments wherever you listen. Or message me. Email me. Uh, it's one the number one, and then the word one, life left at gmail.com. So one life left, one life left at gmail.com or tweet at me. It's uh, at old left. So OL underscore left uh, is the Twitter handle. And uh, eventually I'll do, as it gets more popular, more and more popular, we'll do hashtags and different kind of, I don't know, event things like throwing people's names in. And uh, I'm, I absolutely right now, the one thing I'd love for you to tweet at me is what game from choice of games you'd like me to do next. Uh, Cause they have a lot and I'm definitely going to continue doing stuff with them because it's uh they'll, they'll let me do a playthrough of it, at least one playthrough of each game. And they have a lot of really cool text-based games. So I'm uh, still trying to decide which one I want to do. So if you want to comment and say which one you'd like to see read and done next, please do. But anyway, we're going to jump back in. We are on Chapter 4, Captains of Industry. Alan has just created Kwani Tech. Uh, or I think that's the name of our robot company. But <laughs> uh, So we're going to jump right back in, see where this goes. And uh, yeah, we're on Episode 6. Hope you all enjoy. Here we go. Okay. A year later, you find yourself on a flight to your first meeting with a big client. You are 26 years old, and the year is 2021. Oh, we've grown. Let's uh, let's take a second and look at some stats, guys. So 26-year-old Alan Kwani, uh, 87% human. Okay, so we've gone back up. We're a little more human. Our humanity is up higher now. Uh, we are... We, we have a Wikipedia page, our famous five. <laughs> That's the level of fame we are at, Wikipedia page fame. Uh, wealth is still one. We're getting by. Our romance is still Ellie. Uh, Wally is stable on autonomy, 12, stable on military, 13, stable on empathy, 13, and we're still in beta on grace. So still a little klutzy, but we're getting there, okay? 
Uh, Ziegler relationship is, I'm sorry, Professor Douchebag, 20%. He can go fuck himself. Ellie is very good at 67%. Josh is good at 55 Mark, very good at 66 We don't know that person. Tammy is great at 94 So, cool. Okay. What about, we've gotten a few achievements. We've got Pickled, which is an electrified, we electrified a pickle. How romantic. Five points. Celebrity. Uh, Mark wrote a positive article about us. 20 points. And Heartbreaker. Your robot sang maps in front of a live studio audience, which was a beautiful rendition. Wally, I don't care what the people say. You keep going, buddy. American Idol, The Voice, uh, America's Got Talent. They're all waiting on you, okay? We believe in you. Ten points. Okay, we still got 69 achievements. I doubt we're getting them all in this playthrough. Uh, so bear with me because I just closed out <laughs> of the game. And okay. All right, so here we go. The past year has been one of hard lessons for your business. You've often found yourself wondering if you would have made the same mistakes if you had learned to run a business from Josh. Regardless, you hope to prove yourself you hope to prove to yourself that you've overcome your lack of experience by landing this big deal. You decided to leave Tammy back at the office. She's not really suited to tense negotiation. Who is your big client? Okay, we've got four choices on who our big client can be. So Spark Incorporated, they make flying cars. Rudolph Ventures, a shipping company working the newly melted North Pole. Galen Medical, a company specializing in surgical equipment. Or a man in Shanghai who wants to negotiate the import of 10,000 robots. That, that sounds like the start to a, like... A world cataclysmic movie, like one of those, like like 2012, a man in Shanghai wants to negotiate the import of ten. But that sounds like that sounds like a the start to a post-apocalyptic movie. <laughs> that's what that sounds like. Sounds kind of cool. Um, I like Rudolph Ventures just because that's that's punny. A shipping company working the newly melted North Pole. So it's between those two. I think we're gonna go with a man in Shanghai just because I like that. That's just shady. That's right up our alley. Let's fucking do it. Here we go. Okay. The size of this Mr. Sun's order is much larger than what you're used to dealing with, and you can't fill it without increasing your capacity. You're meeting with him in Shanghai to try to negotiate a delivery time and make sure the order is legit. How did you fund your company? Some small companies are run entirely out of pocket, but even small, unforeseen expenses can cause such a company to go out of business. Independently wealthy entrepreneurs like this option because they get to keep all of the profit and grow still wealthier. But most companies choose either to take out loans, which requires paying the loans back eventually or selling shares in the company to venture capitalist backers, which reduces the potential profit but spreads the risk amongst your investors. Okay, we have three options. I finance my company out of pocket, requires wealth one. Uh, I took out a big loan to start Quani Tech. I finance the company by selling shares in it. Uh, I don't want to do the loan, but I like the first option in this because it uses one of our stats. So we're going to go with I financed my company out of pocket. You don't really trust complicated financial deals, having not spent a lot of time in the world of business. You figure forcing yourself to run on a balanced budget will keep you from getting in over your head. You open your laptop and go over your presentation slides. The, guy, the diagram showing the latest model of Wally -E doesn't have anything to give the audience a sense of his current scale. To give the audience a sense of size, you drop in a picture of, okay, we got three options, guys, a hobbit. So Bilbo Baggins, Wally hasn't changed in size since I built him. Uh, Bill Gates, uh, Wally is the size of a human now, so that models uh, of his type are better equipped to perform human tasks. And then a Rancor monster so big he couldn't fit on the plane. Uh, let's go with Bill Gates. Let's make him human. 
some reason, I'm picturing Will Smith and iRobot, and uh, I just kind of want to, you know, create that right now. You know, we are making 10,000. Like, we're just, this is the, so this is the backstory to iRobot before, uh, oh, fuck, I don't, I, oh, no. Uh, someone to comment, someone's, okay, someone tweeted me what the name of the robot in iRobot, what the name was. I know it was something, like, just, Will Smith gave him a human name, just like Stan or Billy or George or Bobby or or Steve or something. So someone just send send me that because I totally forgot his name. Uh, but anyway, I'm, I'm picturing that. So this is the backstory to iRobot. <laughs> the, pre, the prequel to iRobot is uh, this one right here. All right, we're going to go with human size, though, and, uh, and and move on from there. You celebrated Wally's first birthday with a new body the size of a human adult. Wally has since appeared to take more responsibility to think for himself and appears more fearless. So we got plus two to autonomy, plus two to military. However, you sometimes miss how cute he was as a little thing. So minus one to empathy. He's also a little bit less steady when he rolls. Oh, we made him klutz here. Minus one to grace. <laughs> You send a quick chat to Ellie wishing your love good night. Good luck tomorrow. Ellie chats back. Then you close your laptop and go to sleep. <laughs> oh, I love her voice. It's my favorite. Shanghai is a chaotic city. A mix of completely unfamiliar signs you can't read, street vendors selling foods you can't identify, and the unsettling, unsettlingly imitative ads for a product called the E-Pad by a company called Appel and the Disney-like faux-European castle that is your hotel. And pretending to be a modern western city, you think it has hit the uncanny valley. That sounds like a dream dream vacation, slash business trip, slash place to live. Like, why? what more would you... Appel and the E-pad and the faux-European castle? Come on, man. All right, you find Mr. Sun on the 33rd floor of an office skyscraper. There is no reception beyond the elevator's glass lobby. The somewhat heavy Chinese man is simply sitting alone at a lone desk in a giant room as movers haul in filing cabinets and other office supplies. The tracks from a vacuum cleaner are still visible on the floor. Hello, Mr. Kwan E. Please have a seat. Mr. Sun has a British accent, and he speaks English passably but carefully. I don't think that's what I just did, and I cannot do a British accent, so bear with me. And for anyone that's British that's listening to this, I am so sorry for butchering your the accent from your culture, because that is not my intention. I just am terrible at it. The movers drop a stool chair for you. As you sit, you notice Mr. Sun's desk is very clean. The pen sitting neat and untouched in a row next to a full pad of blank paper. His nameplate simply says Mr. Sun in a font that looks a little off somehow. Oh, so this whole thing is a little shady, right? Like, he's, <laughs> he just kind of set this all up just for this meeting, is the, the kind of the air I'm getting here. Like, he, he's, it's a front for something. Like, I'm thinking, this is how the world ends, and he just wants to get his hands on some robots. So, uh, let's see where this goes. Mr. Sun, you sneaky bastard. As you can see, I'm, I'm very busy moving into this new office. Mr. Sun says, so I hope we can settle this quickly. To be honest, I'm not certain why we are having this meeting. You cannot meet with every potential buyer personally and expect to stay afloat. We don't have the capacity to provide you with so many robots without opening our own factory, you say, and it's unusual for one person to want 10,000 robots. We were wondering what you wanted them all for, and we wanted to make sure there wasn't a misunderstanding. 10,000 is unusual, 
he says, considering. All right, just ten then. Yes, just ten should be fine. Oh, okay. Uh, okay, we got five potential answers to this. That is quite a drop from 10,000. He went from, okay, okay, here are our answers. So our first one is, wait, 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 wait. I'd be happy to sell you 10,000 robots. Or the, and the next one is, yeah, I'd feel more comfortable just selling you 10 robots. Third is, you still haven't said what you want them for. Fourth is, why did you choose to meet me in an empty office like this? And five is, I'm afraid we aren't able to fulfill your order. Sorry. Uh, guys, I think I'm going to go with four, just because if it was me, I would first want to start with a shady office setting uh, before we get into business of what we're doing. So why did you choose to meet me in an empty office like this? Uh, this is a new program, Mr. Sun says. You coming here was useful in hastening the procurement of this office. As you know, space is at a premium in this city, but the government recognizes the importance of providing its representatives with space in which to conduct official business. So you work for the government then, you say. Mr. Sun nods. As you say. Okay, we have four options now. In that case, I'd be happy to sell you 10,000 robots. Second is, yeah, I'd feel more comfortable just selling you 10 robots. Third is, you still haven't told, said what you want them for. And fifth is, I'm afraid we aren't. Okay, it's the same ones as last time, except minus the one we did. So, okay, so we're just getting to the bottom of this. Let's say what, let's do, you still haven't said what you want them for. I'm still inquisitive as to what's going on here. Uh, we are looking for creative law enforcement solutions. Mr. Sun says, our experiments with capitalism have led to an inequality that breeds violence. We think your robots may be of use. Okay, we're back to just having, okay, so still the same options. We've only got three left now. The first one is, in that case, I'd be happy to sell you 10,000. Second is, yeah, I'd feel more comfortable just selling you 10. Uh, last is, I'm afraid we aren't able to fill your order. Sorry. Okay, we got to think about some things here. If we actually do sell 10,000 off the bat, the potential that they're not just using them for their own law enforcement and they're using them to create a robot army that decimates the world, very high. We send them 10, they get to try it out. If they want more, they're going to come back to us. Or the other downside to that is they figure out, they like reverse engineer it, figure out how to make them themselves, and they still get 10,000, and we got nothing for that. Uh, or we just don't do business with Mr. Sun. I kind of want to see where the Mr. Sun angle goes because now I'm really invested in the fact that I want to know What's going to happen in terms of like what Japan's about to do? Wait, China. That's Shanghai. Ah! I am so sorry, China. Uh, that was anybody that's China. Anybody from China, I apologize. Did not mean to get that wrong. But I am also very terrible at geography. So don't expect much there. I, but I apologize. Uh, let's go with 10 and just see if this plays out any differently. Very well, Mr. Sun says. You shake on it. You think 10 robots probably doesn't affect your bottom line much. You still need to deal with a big client to stay afloat as a company. Josh, appear, Josh appears to have learned of your missed opportunity through other business contacts because shortly thereafter, you find he has signed a deal with Mr. Sun. How infuriating! Who will you try to sell to next? Uh, oh, it's the same ones. Well, it's, yeah, Sparks Incorporated, the Flying Cars, Rudolph Ventures, the North Pole, uh, Melting, Santa, you know, the whole works, the L's. Galen Medical, a company specializing in the surgical equipment, or on second thought, I'd rather just sell robots directly to the public. Let's not do that. That sounds like a shit show waiting to happen. We're, I'm not ready to go straight shit show. We're going to work up to shit show, okay? But I'm going to go with Rudolph Ventures because I want to see what Santa has to offer. Climate change has made the Arctic Sea a new place for countries to scramble for control of resources, as there were many rare earth and oil deposits under the North Pole that were previously inaccessible because of ice. 
The United States was late to the game because the very people who would have wanted to drill didn't believe in climate change, so boom towns are only now cropping up on Alaska's northern coast. Rudolph Ventures is a relatively new company devoted to shipping the new spoils of the Arctic, and you hope they will have a use for robots who don't mind the cold. You transfer in Anchorage, which is on the southern coast of Alaska, and head to Barrow, your final destination on the northern coast. The forests beneath you are flooded from rivers, bringing extra snow melt from the mountains, a sign that the world is getting warmer. As your plane narrows nears Barrow, forests and mountains give way to a white plain dotted with smoke-belching oil refineries. The headquarters of Rudolph Ventures is the tallest building in Barrow, a skyscraper that seems out of place in what otherwise looks like a remote outpost of a town. Remarkably, a Starbucks, a Gap, a Brooks Brothers, and a few nice restaurants are all huddled in the shadow here in the middle of nowhere. The vice president of shipping looks a lot like Santa Claus. I fucking knew it. In a three-piece gray suit. Santa getting fancy. What's up with that Dolce and Gabbana? And his office is decorated with a number of Christmas ornaments and framed illustrations of the famous Coca-Cola Santa. You have to wonder whether his physical resemblance to Santa helped him along this career path. Did he always want to be the jolly fat man? Maybe the person in charge of promotions was like, Ha ha, let's give vice president of shipping to this Santa guy. That would be hilarious. Maybe all of these Santa... Chaka-chaks. What the fuck word is that? Maybe all of these Santa Tchakachkas are gifts from well-meaning employees who didn't realize they were giving him his 50th Coca-Cola Santa picture, and he just has to hang them all up for political reasons. That's awesome. I hope that's the reason. Uh, Okay, the word is T-C-H-O-T-C-H-K-E-S. So if anyone knows how to actually pronounce that, tweet at me or email me something. Just put it up there for everyone to see so you can help my ignorant mind become uh, better. Maybe he wanted to be Santa at one time, but the masquerade is worn thin, and the crushing irony of being the Santa who gives everybody coal ate away at his humanity score. (laughs) I hope that's also the reason. Regardless, the white-bearded man doesn't look very jolly at the moment. He peers at you from his desk over steepled, white-gloved hands. Let's see it, he says. Wally steps forward. Wally will be a big help on icebreaker ships, you say. He'll have no problem with the freezing temperatures, and I added some waterproofing. Hmm. Now what would be a good test for you? He turns to Wally. Wally, I have a list here of employees who have been nice and deserve quarterly bonuses, and a list who have been naughty and deserve termination. Do you think you could deliver all that for me? You can feel yourself losing humanity just by mere exposure to Santa's Christmas-themed corporate thinking. <laughs> Yo, Santa Claus is a monster, man. Uh, All right. So we have two. Uh, Two answers here. Uh, Go ahead, Wally. Be a good little elf. Um, I think this isn't going to work out, Santa. I don't really want to be a part of the uh, very black and white (laughs) idea Santa has of taking people's livelihood away. But I also really want to say, go ahead, Wally. Be a good little elf. (laughs) <laughs> I feel like my humanity is going to drop, but we're going to go with it just because I've been so basic bitching this. We're going we're gonna to go with the first one. Wally complies. There are spare elf costumes in Santa's closet. You don't ask why, and you manage to find one that fits loosely on parts of Wally's caterpillar track frame. 
An hour later, you find yourself watching Wally on closed circuit security cameras, delivering bonus checks and termination notices to the employees of Rudolph Ventures. Most employees are wearing red and green, and you notice the ones who aren't seem to be overrepresented among the group getting termination notices. Whoa! Cool robot! Ho, ho, ho. Merry Termination Day. <laughs> what? You are on the naughty list for failure to attend the company holiday party, insufficient use of the word team, and repeated inappropriate use of the reply all button. I can't believe I moved all the way to Barrow for this. Please clean out your desk by close of business. All right, that's good enough for me. Not Santa says, turning off the security monitor. You'll see a contract from us shortly. Plus Jesus, plus five to wealth. Wow. Okay. Uh, hey, we're rolling in the dough. And Wally has just become an elf. So we have ties to Santa Claus. You can't beat that. But I do feel a little, a little less human and a little vile. So, uh, yeah, there's that. Okay. With the deal in hand, you can now build a robot factory. Where do you plan to build your factory? Okay, we can do... Our first option is Detroit, Michigan. I see a bunch of listings for factories dirt cheap, and they probably have a good labor pool for manufacturing. Uh, the Shenzhen District, China. A common location for tech company outsourcing with cheap but skilled labor. Silicon Valley. I'll withstand the real estate sticker shock to have access to the most skilled engineers. Or Alaska, which is offering incentives to business will, businesses willing to relocate to the coast near the newly melted Arctic Sea. Uh, I mean... Alaska would give us an option to be first close to our biggest client, and uh, it sounds like it's a booming, it's a town on the boom, so we'd get it cheap, and we'd have real estate to sell for a lot of money later, or at least just to take advantage of whatever the boom is. Uh, Silicon Valley, I mean, you can't beat skilled engineers or access to a vast amount of networking. Uh, the Shenzhen district in China sounds like cheap with skill is not a bad combination. Uh, I don't think I'm going to do Detroit, uh, Michigan. That just sounds terrible. No offense, Detroit. Not, not that your city's terrible, just in this, in these options, it sounds like a terrible choice. Uh, dirt cheap sounds great, but, eh, I don't know. Um, God, that's hard. That's really hard between these three. Let's... I'm just going to, just because the show Silicon Valley is like one of the best, best things I've ever created. If you haven't seen it, go watch it on HBO. We're going to do it and see if we uh, run into anyone we know. The factory in Sunnyvale, California is a little bit over the top when it comes to amenities. The stainless steel countertops look fit for a fancy new American restaurant, while the micro kitchens on the factory floor feature built-in espresso makers, refrigerators for the free bottled water you will be expected to provide to employees, and ice cream freezers for dessert treats. The real estate agent, dressed in a t-shirt and shorts, still keeps talking about how all of this is not quite as good as what they had at his former employer. But he points out that there's no space for a dedicated gourmet cafeteria, and that there aren't as many parking spots that are electric vehicle ready. You think he's new at this real estate thing, but it's good to know the expectations of the tech workers in the area. The factory floor itself is a reconfigurable sliding block puzzle of 3D printers, laser jet cutters, paint stations, and welding arms. This is a factory where every order might be customized to the individual customer's preferences. No question, this is going to be an amazing factory, but operating this facility is going to be hella expensive. Mm, okay, so it looks like we can have the option. So we can say, sure, we'll take it, or we can look at something else. So let's go actually look at the other two, just because we, haven't, we have the option to do it. 
All right, so the Shenzhen district in China. Let's see what happens here. The flight to China takes the better part of a day. The skyscrapers are tall and tightly packed in Shenzhen, one of the busiest economic hubs in China. Unable to speak or read Chinese yourself, you find the place somewhat confusing and overwhelming. You try taking a yellow taxi to your hotel at first, but after sitting in traffic that goes nowhere for a while, you hand over a fistful of renminbi banknotes and get out, hailing a pedal-powered rickshaw instead. It weaves more deftly through the immobile cars. A Chinese woman wearing a black uniform and a severe haircut awaits you at the gate to your factory site. Welcome to Shenzhen Special Economic Zone, she says in a British accent. I'm sure you will be impressed by the amenities we offer to for, for foreign companies looking to invest in manufacturing here. Indeed, the factory grounds seem very modern. The offices look as though they could have come from Silicon Valley, and your guide points out that the built-in wireless internet hubs throughout the facilities. Uh, the factory also comes with 3D printing and laser jet cutting facilities built in, reminding you of the Stanford fabrication shop where you made WALL-E. The internet access reminds you of rumors that the Chinese government heavily censor and monitor its internet traffic, and you ask the woman if the internet traffic from this factory is similarly monitored. Monitored. Despite her good English skills, the, she professes not to understand your question, despite your phrasing it several ways. If you would like your internet traffic monitored for security purposes, there are plenty of skilled cybersecurity experts in the area, your guide says helpfully. Not very expensive either. She quotes a salary that, while decent when translated into U.S. dollars, is probably a quarter the going rate in the States for such expertise. So, eh, we'll take it. We'll take it, but we're going to spend some money to strip the routers and replace them with our own, just in case. I have a bad feeling about this. Let's find a factory in the States instead. Yeah, we're going to go with that last one. I don't trust the whole, I don't want the government watching me thing, especially since we almost did a deal with Mr. Sun, who sounds like he's about to start, you know, a world apocalypse with robots. You wince a little at the thought of the lost time and money involved in the trip, but still shake your head. Sorry, I think we're going to have to take our business elsewhere. You head home the next day empty-handed. A politely worded email from the real estate agent thanks you for your visit, but suggests you never come back. The government does not appreciate foreigners spreading vicious rumors. Minus one wealth. What location will you scout next for your factory? Did we spread vicious rumors? Or were they just anticipating we would? That is some serious shit. Okay, uh, I apologize for spreading vicious rumors, China. Uh, forgive forgive Alan. It's not his fault. He was just trying to do his, his business, okay? He's just ignorant and terrible. What location will you scout next for your factory? Uh, let's do the Alaska. You fly to Anchorage. An Inuit man is a, in a heavy blue windbreaker meets you at the airport to show you to the factory grounds. Remarkably, he gets you there with a dog team sled. You slide easily past a line of backed-up cars on the road. Don't think from the dog team that we're primitive, the Inuit man says. If you decide to hire here, you'll see we have people from families who have been electricians and mechanics since World War II. The roads just haven't caught up to the auto traffic. We believe in the right solution for the job. Sometimes nature provides that solution. I don't know why I made his voice that way. It's just how I started reading it, so we're going with it. The factory itself is a few miles outside the city, still under construction by mostly Inuit workers. It's on the shore, and it looks like they're constructing a dock as well. You'll be able to receive oil and materials directly from the dock, your guide explains. That should help get around the traffic at the Barrow docks, although foreign ships will still need to go through customs there. There should be a lot of oil and rare earth minerals coming from the pole, all that stuff that used to be under the ice, so you should get a good price for that stuff. Seeing no reason not to take the factory, you signed the deal. So should I let the community know you're hiring soon? Your guide asked meaningfully, taking away the contract. What kind of labor will you hire? Oh, so it was just decided we're taking it? Cool. I like Alaska. I like Anchorage. Let's do this. 
Wally's model of robot will perform all the labor, including supervision. Robots with human supervisors, human labor at market rates, rather low in this economy. Uh, and following Henry Ford's model, I will hire human workers and pay them handsomely. Uh, hmm. Well, I don't want to let the community down now that I, you know I've invested in it. But I, uh, so we let robots do it, but with human supervisors, human labor at market rates, rather low in this economy. Okay, following Henry Ford's model, I will hire human workers and pay them handsomely. I mean, aren't we just, aren't we doing the whole robot thing, though? I mean, the whole point of this is the robot thing. Guys, I'm at a loss here. I want to help the community, but I feel like that's going to take us back a little bit or set us back a little bit. Maybe we do robots with human supervisors? Let's try that. See what happens. We'll need a few local workers. Yes, you say, mostly in supervisory roles. A factory like this still needs a large number of workers, even with automation, your guide tries to correct you. I disagree, you say, and your guide leaves dissatisfied. Plus three to wealth. Your factory requires a fair amount of work to make it suitable for Quani Tech, and you find yourself needing to come in daily to examine wiring issues, fix small problems in the design of the machinery, and get things ready to pass inspection. You find it necessary to rent a place in Alaska, and you stay there most nights. You find yourself spending long hours every day getting the factory ready. Dealing with inspectors, government officials, banks, and balance sheets makes you more than a little cranky. You find yourself wishing you had the benefit of Joss's experience as CEO. What will your factory look like from a distance? Okay, we got four options. Here's the fun part, the aesthetic, the look, the beauty. All right, first option is a fortified compound with solid walls and barbed wire. Cool, so prison. Like the Sydney Opera House, full of organic curves and glass. Uh, it sounds like an art gallery. Uh, a geodesic dome with a conceal... Oh, okay. A geodesic dome will conceal a powerful dish antenna absorbing the world's information for my robots. <laughs> it just sounds like a mad scientist's lab. Uh, Mojo Jojo. I don't know. I had that. That's what I was thinking for some reason was Mojo Jojo and his uh, hideout. Evil genius lair. A plain old factory. Nothing much to look at, but it's cheap and gets the job done. Uh, I mean, I like honestly, I kind of like the plain old factory. I kind of want to go basic bitch on this one just to kind of offset the rest of the choices. So, uh, let's do it. You go for a frugal, plain brick factory of the kind that can be found in any city's industrial district. You scrimping on costs leaves you with a surplus. Plus two to wealth. Yo, rich as shit. Ugh. <laughs> All right. Soon you have hired a handful of full-time technical employees from the area. They help you with the setup of the factory. They seem somewhat displeased to be working for you, though. You're not sure which of your previous decisions is at fault. You keep a skeleton crew at first because you expect to use your own robots as labor and bootstrap. As a result, getting to the production of the first robot takes somewhat longer than you expected. So minus one to wealth. But Wally is your prototype, and he gives you a fair idea of how your robot labor will go. You find he is constantly dropping tools, getting tangled in wires, and otherwise getting in the way. And at least one major entanglement in the electrical system sets the project back two weeks. Minus another one to wealth. He's generally an obedient worker, and it's a shame that he isn't also more physically skilled. So I think the grace probably set me back on that one. Finally, months after you've moved in, you're ready to pull the switch that starts the factory in motion. As your workers... Mark, Wally, and various invited members of the press look on. Raw metal lumps start their way down a conveyor belt, where water jet cutters slice the metal at precise angles to reveal a cubicle head. Another machine drills two large holes for the robot's cameras. The next machine pushes the hollow robot head onto its side, and, robot arm and a robot arm delicately places the encrypted hard drive inside. A long line of metal treads rolls in from another part of the factory, meeting a conveyor belt of alternating gun arms and normal arms. 
Three tributaries of parts meet in the center of your factory, where humanoid robot workers perform the complex task of assembling the parts into the final robots. The final assembly line requires a great deal of careful manipulation of each part and adjustment to each robot's part's subtle differences. This is a part that would be done by human labor at another factory, but here, your human employees only supervise the process, watching for any robot malfunctions that would stop the line. For this particular run, they call a halt after the first robot rolls off the line so that you can celebrate. An exact duplicate of Wally stands before you, ready to be shipped. Your staff cheers. Mark smiles as he furiously takes down notes on his Chromebook, though you can't tell whether he's pleased with your work or his. Plus one to fame. My duplication appears successful, master, Wally says. How do you feel about your shipment, your first shipment of robots? Okay, guys, we did it. We made our first Wally clone and we're starting off in the world fuck professor douchebag we've done this all right alaska and our plain brick building for the win we're about to do this bitch and take it over sweet all right so four options here i yearn to see my creation spread to the corners of the world i have a strange feeling about this is this a good thing i've done finally i'm seeing success the world should remember the name alan Quani. god i hope we don't go bankrupt (laughs) Great options. Uh, I don't really want to be famous, so let's go with the first one. I do want to see him go to the corners of the world. See if we can't start this robot apocalypse. You have blitzed the media with announcements of this world-changing shipment, so plus three to fame. Finally, the, for the first time, you feel like you're growing into the world-famous roboticist you'd always hope to be. You will not be a nobody who leaves the world untouched. Oh no, they will know our name. You glance over at Ellie, who is frowning at the assembly line. In your hurry to achieve fame, you may have forgotten to check how Ellie would feel about this newfound fame, but it's too late for that now. You start up the line again, and more robots begin to roll off the final assembly line. By the end of the day, you are standing in your large warehouse with over 200 robots, 256 to be precise, lined up in a square formation, 16 on a side, ready to be activated. Your audience from earlier in the day is gathered there as well. What will your production models use for mines? Okay, we have three options. Wally's initial state, ready to learn and adapt to the client's needs with some effort on the client's part. Uh, Copies of Wally's mind as of today. They will be a little confused at first when they realize they're clones, but they'll get used to it. And then third, these robots don't really need sentience. I wrote a more traditional program that will do the job. Oh, this is a big option. So this is where we can turn our, what our robots are going to initially do in the future. Ooh, foreshadowing. Guys, I don't know where I want to go with this. If we do make them sentient, we are totally getting an iRobot scenario, which sounds so dope. Uh, basically, if we make them like base zero autonomy and do the first one where we just let them you know, adapt, I mean, we put the effort on the client. I'm sure that'll bring us down in, I don't know, wealth or like uh, – or fam- I don't know. Something will come down there because the client will have to do more work. Uh, maybe we'll have less business ventures with these clients, but that would make for some interesting robot adaptation. Mm. Or we do a Wally's mind today and let the whole, like, what are they going to think about being clones thing take off and see if Wally and his brothers just <laughs> eventually decide, wait, 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 we don't need to be held back by all this or manipulated like we have been to be created. A whole Frankenstein type deal. Hmm. Guys, I'm not doing the third one, though. We, we absolutely want them to be sentient. That's going to be awesome. I'm going to let them adapt. Put a little effort on the client's part. 
You hit a big red button on your phone that says go, sending a wireless signal to the pow- to power on the robots. The robots all have the same programming, so when they look around curiously, they all look left in unison. Then all the robots look right, but some take a little longer than others. What unfolds is like a curious optical illusion where order is gradually displaced with disorder. Tiny differences in the robot's input result in behavior that diverges, until every robot in the square is doing something different. Some say hello to each other, others become interested in their own gun arm, and so on. Robots inspect each other curiously and try to imitate each other's actions. In the chaos, some robots begin to fall over themselves, and you start to hear loud thumps and snaps. Oops, that will reduce the number you can ship. Minus one to wealth. You send a kill signal via wireless and the robots power down. Your audience seems to be at a loss for words. Your workers begin to mutter amongst themselves. They sound worried by the robot's chaotic behavior. We're doing it, Tammy breathes, awestruck. Sentia life for sale. These robots are non-optimal, Wally points out to you. Now they are, you say, but they need to be non-optimal to be adaptive. You're still learning, but more slowly, because you've already decided what you'll be like. They're still blank slates, waiting to be shown how to be. Wally nods. I sure hope you know what you're doing, one of your human workers says. <laughs> Alright, that guy's fired, okay? He's fucking fired. You don't question the boss. The mad roboticists. That's how you become a robot yourself. It takes months to train your robot workforce, since they must be educated from scratch, just as Wally was. You'd forgotten how much personal attention the training process required. You'd done it in instinctually out of love, but your human workforce starts to complain that there is too much robot child rearing for them to handle. You end up needing to hire extra technical staff who are generally surprised to learn what their true responsibilities are. So minus one to wealth. Your human staff tries to ease their own work by telling the robots they are built to serve, that humans are their masters. Being naive newborns, your robots believe them. So minus three to autonomy, plus two to empathy, and plus two to military. Hmm, this is interesting. After a few months, your first shipment to Rudolph Ventures is ready. Your factory's proximity to Rudolph Ventures makes the shipping process exceptionally easy and cheap, improving your revenue. So plus two to wealth. Your robots are soon carrying out most of the operations on icebreaker ships, carrying oil and rare earths across the Arctic. Though your robots lack the autonomy to make a human crew completely unnecessary, they allow Rudolph Ventures to dramatically increase its presence in the Arctic. Rudolph Ventures profits handsomely, and so do you. Plus three wealth. A few months into their operations, your robots decisively defeat a band of Russian pirates in the Arctic. Yo, that is oh, that is so cool. Our robots are fucking. They're not monitors. They're I guess they're they're just defense. I don't know. They they're defending. They're fighting and and defending and defeating pirates. They're vigilantes. I don't know what we call them here. They're they're pirate bangers. No pirate bashers. Pirate defeaters. <laughs> The U.S. Coast Guard, the Border Guard Service of Russia, and the Chinese Coast Guard all make bids for your robots to help fight piracy in international waters. They don't offer much, but together, they will sizably bump profits. Will you sell to them? Okay, we got five options. Just in the United States, it's illegal to export arms to other countries. I'll sell to the Coast Guard, but also use Rudolph Ventures as a way to smuggle robots to other countries. I don't trust China, but I'll sell to the other two. I don't trust Russia, but I'll sell to the other two. I'd rather not sell to any government. I don't trust them, and they can't afford me. Oh... Um, uh, I mean, we, we got to make it interesting. Let's go, let's go full arms dealer and do, uh, the coast guard and smuggling option. Cause you know, we're going to go full on mad scientists and do some evil shit. 
you successfully managed to sell robots to all three countries. Since your robots are indistinguishable, you play a shell game in which robots manning Rudolph Ventures ships get off at foreign ports and are replaced on their return. The game becomes easier as U.S. Coast Guard ships start being manned by your robots, whose subtle misdirection allows Rudolph ships to pass unsearched. Plus six to wealth. Good lord, we are getting rich. We're getting, we're getting Bill Gates rich over here. You find that with Quanitech doing well, you have a little bit of spare time again. What would you like to do with it? Okay, we have three options. Expand the business and get another big client for, from among the options presented earlier. Spend more time with Ellie. Spend more time with Wally. Let's spend more time with Ellie. Duh, I'm a romantic. I want those hearts and shit above my head. Let's do this. Come on. You find that going to the local dance hall every now and then with Ellie and learning to swing dance together helps keep your relationship strong. One day, while driving into work at the factory, you find that a crowd of human protesters is amassed outside your factory with picket signs. Some of the signs read, Humans greater than robots and rage against the machine. All right. Is, aren't they the ones that are... Oh my god, my musical knowledge is just falling apart right now. The I think that's Rage Against the Machine. The protesters appear to be mostly college-aged, dressed in t-shirts and jeans completely insufficient for Alaska's cold weather, and you absently wonder when 20-year-olds started looking so young. As you get out of your car, the protesters turn their attention to you. There's three here. Uh, options, guys. Three options. <laughs> Attempt to convince them that... Quanti Tech is acting for the good of humanity and does not deserve to be picketed. Uh, two, find Wally and get him to speak to the protesters for you. Three, tell the robots to chase the people away. Let's go with, let's get Wally to talk to him. That sounds awesome. A few minutes later, you emerge from the factory with Wally in tow. Please stop, Wally says, waving his gun arm. This is my home. A protester holds a rock at Wally, leaving a dent in his head. Another rock follows, hitting his gun arm. Eventually, the police show up, but not before the protesters have caused significant damage to Wally. I think I might be starting to hate humans, Wally tells you in private later as you're patching him up. So, plus two to autonomy, minus two to empathy. Oh god, we're done for. Don't say such things, you tell him. You managed to make him nearly as good as new by using parts from some of your other newer robots, but the damage to his psyche may persist. Oh, man. Now that you've worked out the kinks of how to deal with intelligent robot labor, you could probably license your technology to other companies so that they could produce similar robots while paying your he you hefty royalties. Would you like to do that? Okay, we got four options. Sure, I'll sell our technology to anyone who wants it. Let's just out the gate. Throw it to the winds. I'd prefer to sell only to American companies to give them a competitive advantage. I mean, duh, America's the best. <laughs> I'd prefer to sell only to foreign countries so as not to compete with American workers. I mean, yeah, American workers? No, capitalism, bitch. No, I'd prefer to keep my robots a trade secret. I mean, we've got enough wealth. Let's just keep it a trade secret and move on. You decide not to license your robot technology. Other companies may not be as careful as you in choosing how the robots are treated and to what uses they are put. You prefer to retain control for now. Quanti Tech seems to be doing fine financially, and you begin to think about the things you could purchase with your money. You've been concentrating so much on your robots, you haven't given much thought to what you could do with your money besides expand the business. What will you spend your funds on? You will have the opportunity to buy more than one thing if you can afford it. Yo, my wealth is 17, baby. It's high as shit. Let's see what we're called. Uh, hold on. Oh, it's just... <laughs> no, no, no. Wait. Yeah, wealth 17. Oh, oh, we're a billionaire. We have made a lot of money. Nice. Okay, so 
We can splurge on a flying car. It costs three. We can buy a house. Costs two. Uh, we can buy a nice mansion. The cost is four. We could spend some time with Ellie on a Mediterranean cruise. That's one. I'd like to spend time with Wally on a Mediterranean cruise to show him the world. Also one. I'd like to spend time with Ellie and Wally on a Mediterranean cruise. Let's do that one for sure. Uh, I only do one at a time. So let's start with that. We can do a fine car, a house, a mansion. We can give money to charity, uh, the perfect body for Wally, or we could save. So I don't care if, I, who I, I don't want a mansion. Okay, let's 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 just break this down for a second. If you get something that's like if you get a seven thousand square foot home or like a ten thousand square foot home, who the fuck's cleaning that? Why would you hire someone to clean something you barely use? All right, you can have thirty rooms, you're gonna use two, maybe four. That's it. So no, we'll get a house. Uh, we will get the perfect body for Wally. Um, yeah, let's get a flying car. That sounds dope. Okay, flying cars of 2025 are pretty much more like drivable planes, lightweight planes that have wings which fold into the car to make it drivable on surface roads. You've been waiting for this car since you first heard about the early prototypes in college. You already have your amateur sport pilot's license. The TSA is yet to make the airport experience is horrible for flying car drivers as for other people so you make it onto the runway of your nearby small airfield with relatively little trouble you're reminded of the movie back to the future as a little led display on your dashboard shows you how fast you're driving as you accelerate down the runway but instead of traveling through time you lift off into the sky oh minus three to wealth we're so damn poor okay here we go what will you spend your funds on? You'll have the opportunity to buy more than one thing if you can afford it. Oh, we're back. Okay, wealth is seven, so we're definitely not a billionaire anymore, but uh, let's give some money to charity and go from there. How much will you give to charity? Some, but not enough to affect my lifestyle significantly. The cost is zero, enough that I might skip buying a few things later to make up for it. It costs us one, a huge amount of wealth. You know what? Everything. I'm giving the factory itself all my wealth and all our supply of robots to... Oh, <laughs> that just ends there. It's done. The story's over. We gave things a charity. That's that's how we're doing this. No, let's do enough that I might skip buying a few things later to make up for it. It's a cost one. The recipient charity dedicated to improving the lives of poor people by teaching them engineering and computer skills is impressed with the size of the donation, even though you think of it as a modest sum. You're a little embarrassed at their effusive thank you letter. Minus one to wealth. What will you spend your funds on? You will have the opportunity to buy more than one thing if you can afford it. So we have six wealth we're going to save and in the personal fund and keep going. Life is uncertain. And you never know when you might need some extra funds. You decide to keep your remaining money. With Quanee Tech doing reasonably well, you may attempt to undermine Josh's business. He's still selling robot drones as his core business. And if you wanted to, you could sell comparable robots at a loss to drive him out of business. Oh, let's do that. I should eliminate my competition as our first option. I will ask whether Josh is interested in a merger. Mm. I prefer to simply buy U.S. robots outright, keeping Josh as an employee. I don't care about Josh. He can do what he likes. Well, I mean, we could keep him as an arch enemy, like a human arch enemy, along with the robot apocalypse. Would make for a really cool final, like, Mount Doomish battle. Uh, let him do what he likes. We could merge with them. That could still create that, like some animosity where we end up fighting each other, you know? Uh, and... Or we could just buy the U.S. robots outright, make him real pissed, and make him an employee. <laughs> he would hate the shit out of that. Um, we could just eliminate him. Uh, let's see if he's interested in a merger. See how that goes. No, 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 no. I don't want him to have part of the company. Let's just buy the robots outright. <laughs> make him real pissed off. 
You offer Josh a large sum of money for U.S. robots, which would make Josh an employee of Quanti Tech. Though the cost of, of restructuring will be significant in the short term, you hope having Josh in your company will have long-term benefits. But when you meet with Josh in New York over a fancy dinner of sous-vide sous eggs, I said that terribly wrong, to discuss the deal, he folds his napkin and puts it down on the table. His tiny meal left half-finished. No, Josh says. He signals for the check. This is an insane amount of money, you say. How can you refuse? <laughs> it's pretty funny that I have to be the one who tells you there are more important things than money, he says. The bill comes, and he slaps down a wad of $100 bills, paying for everything himself. Like pride, he walks out. Now will you undercut Josh? Yes, he had his chance. <laughs> I love this! You sell drones at a loss for a little while. Your advanced technology blows Josh's business out of the water. You sell Josh's customers far superior robot drones until one day you read on a tech blog that Josh's business has filed for bankruptcy. You wait for Josh's customers to get used to buying from you, then slowly phase out those models for newer, more expensive ones in profit. Plus, for the wealth, you rehearse in your mind the things you will say to Josh once he finally gets up the nerve to call you. Business is business. That's how capitalism rewards progress, and so forth. But he never does. God, fucking asshole. We're terrible, man. <laughs> this is great. One day, Tammy bursts into your office at the factory, extremely agitated. She makes some kind of strange gesture that looks like a hang-loose sign being punched into an open palm. What the hell, you say? Turn off your phone, Tammy says in exasperation. I know I'm. her voice is not the same. I just go with it. Not sure what this is about. You comply, and she drags you into her dark office. The only light comes from a screen of dumped hex code in a Linux terminal window. Next to the code, there are Chinese characters. I found this, she says, on the production servers with the main code repo, and, and something similar in Wally's RAM. So maybe Wally can read Chinese? You joke, but with a sinking feeling, you know what's coming next. It's a Chinese rootkit, Tammy says. Oh, shit. So we've been hacked. Have been hacked, are being hacked, continue to be hacked. And it gets worse, someone else is using the port. Who? Tammy's mouth opens and shuts as if the words won't come out. Finally, she says in a small voice, I, I can't tell you, it's classified. You must look angry at that point, because she says, I'm not on their side, I'm not. Just because I don't work for them anymore doesn't mean I'm allowed to reveal classified information. Her eyes widen. Or say things that would imply... She puts her hands over her mouth. Fine. So the government is apparently spying on me through the hacked port, you say. Maybe they're really spying on the Chinese, spying on me, right? Tammy opens up a different terminal window, shows you a list of IP addresses, geolocations, and total bytes transferred. Two locations have a listing of 100 PB. Shanghai, China, and Fort Meade, Maryland. 100 PB, 100 petabytes, 100,000 terabytes of gigabytes. They couldn't get what was in your robot's minds, thanks to your robot's encrypted hard drives, but they got quite a bit from the unencrypted traffic within your company. Every email, chat, video conference, website you and anyone in your company ever visited, and apparently both Chinese hackers and the United States government have all have all of this. Okay, so we've got five options here. First is, why would the government want to steal all of my stuff? Two, let's scrape as much useful data as we can from the internet, then lock down the network, disabling all links to the outside. Hire cybersecurity specialists to try to close all of your security vulnerabilities. Create a honeypot of fake robot plans for the hackers to steal, describing a robot that is actually a bomb. Or last, we are not going to fight the governments of two nations. They can have my data. No way. 
that's no that's no that's cowardice we're not doing that that's that's pussy shit okay <laughs> we're doing no no way uh I don't really want to hire cybersecurity and like spend the money on no, but we could scrape as much use with that as we can from the internet, lock down the network. I like that. Disable all links to the outside. I wonder if I'm gonna start with asking that question and see if it still gives us the options. Tammy hesitates. I think it's just intelligence, she says finally. Have you ever talked to someone who would be considered opposed to the government on the phone? Or maybe they called you? Hey, Alan, this is Mark over at sfchronicle.com. Noting your dark look, Tammy shrugs. I thought you might have. But but does that at least mean they're not going to use my robot plans? You ask. Tammy squirms uncomfortably. I don't know and can't speculate. Damn it, fucking... Mark, you piece of shit. You handsome motherfucking piece of shit. Alright, so the four options. We can scrape everything, cybersecurity, create the honeypot of fake robot plans for the bomb and start a world war... World War robot, or uh, we're not gonna, we're not doing the last one, so we're not even gonna read it. Uh, let's do the scrape. I want to scrape, scrape the web for all its text. You tell Tammy, you sigh, then lock it all down. No network access in or out ever again. I'll announce it to the company, and no removable media either. If I see so much as a USB stick in someone's hands, they're fired. You see adoration in Tammy's eyes. Yes, sir. <laughs> But your other employees are furious with the change, as they're no longer to use social media, chat, and email while at work. Many quit within a month. Your robots are thrown into confusion without access to the internet. It's like you suddenly blinded them. Minus three to empathy. How could you do this to me, master? Wally says pleadingly. I can't think anymore. You have no idea what it's like to be so cut off from the outside world. Oh, yes I do, you mutter. In the next few months, you completely revamp the robot's designs. Driven by the fact that your technological lead is going to be undercut by Chinese products, if not government contractors. You rack your brain night and day for new advances that will keep you ahead of the competition, throwing yourself into your work utterly. When you are done, the robots are that much more advanced than anything that may have been stolen from you. Plus three to grace. Yo, no more klutzy shit! Woohoo! When the knockoffs of your old designs start coming out of China, you're still able to sell a superior product and command a superior price. If anything, the knockoffs serve as advertising for you, and those who start with the entry-level robotic products sometimes come to you next. Plus two to wealth, baby. Going back to that Bill Gates status. <laughs> so, so, so dumb. All right, you are fairly certain you've saved Quanti Tech from disaster. Yeah, we have. Top of the world. Let's take it over. A few weeks later, a politician visits you at the factory. One Jacqueline Irons. Yo, that is a, that is a strong name. A representative from Alaska. You vaguely remember hearing that she was once a venture capitalist who rose to fame on the success of her Fox webcast, Against the Man, in which she pilloried unsuspecting guests as examples of privileged elites. They've also been there have also been rumors of her running for president soon. You can imagine why I'm here, she tells you in your office, leaning over your desk. Like many politicians these days, she wears a netical a monocle with a small screen visible only to her in which she can read messages from her advisors and speechwriters, some of whom are watching her interactions at all times. You think the netical is probably recording even now. Politicians love to weave moments in which they look good into their streaming video commercials. Her hair is cropped, short, but her fingernails are long and pink. She wears a broad-shouldered suit. I know how much you've relied on your robot labor for success. You set a trend that is dangerous for the country. It's people like you who are the reason... So much of our country is unemployed right now.
What exactly do you want? You ask guardedly. A substantial campaign contribution would show your heart is in the right place. You are fairly certain she has the power to hurt your business if you anger her. Perhaps you could consider a donation. You have money to spare. I make a very substantial campaign donation. Minus three to wealth. I make a fairly significant campaign donation. Campaign donation minus two to wealth. Uh, our next option is I make a donation that would be large for an individual but small for a company. It's minus one to wealth. Sure, here's a hundred bucks. I'm afraid I don't have a significant amount of wealth to spare. Sorry. If you want my support, pass laws that would keep China from stealing my technology. If I support you, would you be willing to show up on Josh's doorstep too? Hmm, why would she show up on Josh's doorstep if he's... I don't know, is that something, are we getting back at him? Okay, I don't understand that option. If someone wants to explain it to me, I'm not going to choose it. Uh, but why would she show up on Josh's doorstep? I'm, I'm at a loss on that one. Uh, okay, so... Hmm, if we... If we pass... I mean, we can do the laws, not steal the technology, and get something out of this... I don't really just want to give her a donation because she's bullying me into it, <laughs> like politicians do, and I don't like that shit. So I'll make her mad if I do the hundred bucks. So let's do. If you want my support, protect me against Chinese. Representative Irons seems surprised. Excuse me. You describe in detail how the Chinese stole your robot designs. She seems genuinely angry by the end. They'll pay for this, she says. But the person who has the most power to set international policy is the president. Will you support me? Uh, let's just do a fairly significant campaign donation, because not fully. I don't trust her. You agreed to donate a significant amount of money to Representative Irons. Thank you, Representative Irons says. I'm sure the workers of America thank you as well. She says her goodbyes and leaves. You can only hope she'll come through on her promises, which, come to think of it, is not reassuring giving her profession. <laughs> told you. Fucking told you. Representative Irons does, does run for president, running on a platform of preventing robots and foreign companies from stealing American jobs. It's a message that hits the American public at just the right time, since unemployment is soaring. Though economists tell the public that the unemployment is a natural and temporary result of new technology displacing old, skilled jobs, that turns out to be a much less effective election year message than raging against the privileged, the elites, and the technocracy. As Representative Irons puts it in her speeches, what are they doing with their money? Who are they giving it to? To robots? To foreigners? To each other? To anybody but the American people? Well, that's gratitude for you. But then she probably treats her enemies worse. Since you think she is ultimately on your side, you are cautiously, cautiously optimistic when Representative Irons wins the presidency. Oh boy. True to her word, President Irons begins a policy of heavy embargoes against Chinese goods. In retaliation, China cuts off all exports of rare earths, and the batteries derived from them. Suddenly, the cost of all the little, miniaturized electronics people have grown accustomed to, cell phones, laptops, wearable computing, becomes prohibitively expensive. Despite everything, Kwani Tech has vanquished its foes and thrived. You have the feeling that something big will happen soon, that if you don't propose to Ellie now, you may not have another chance for a while. Weddings are elaborate things, after all. Do you propose to Ellie? We have three options. Yes, no, I still don't think now's the right time. No, I understand now that I don't really have time for a relationship after all. So, <laughs> okay. So obviously I know that we don't really have time for a relationship with everything that's happened so far. We've barely done anything with Ellie. But I kind of want to say yes, and I hate to say it this way, but to watch the failing of the marriage because that just makes for a good story. Now, Let's re let me iterate. I don't wish that upon anyone. If you don't have time for a relationship, don't be in one. I will stand behind that. 
but for the story's sake, we're going to say yes and see where this goes. After a romantic evening at a high-end restaurant, you get down on one knee. Titanium ring with a lab-grown diamond in hand. Ellie says yes. You find that planning a wedding is hard work. It takes about a year of preparation and requires making a slew of choices that you should be thankful we're skipping here. Thankfully, Ellie helps you remain patient during the process and contributes equally to the preparations. As you look into Ellie's eyes and say, I do, you can see that your love is mutual and you're tremendously excited to start a life together. Here's where it's going to get interesting. Work or love? Work or family? Who will we be? Oh, the humanity! <laughs> I love this. This is so great. God, story is awesome. Okay, we got an achievement. Spouse. Sweet. Okay, a few days after your marriage, in the middle of your honeymoon to France, the marriage license office calls. I'm sorry, we seem to be having trouble processing your paperwork. The woman on the other end says, We can't find Ellie on file. Could you have her send us a birth certificate? Ellie duly calls her father, since her mother passed away some years ago. When she gets off the phone, she looks stricken. I'm not American, she says. I was born in mainland China, apparently. Ellie goes on to explain that neither of her parents ever got American citizenship. They'd intended to have Ellie in the States to provide her with the best opportunities, but they stayed a little too long in China with her extended family, and she was born in the Shanghai airport. After they successfully snuck into the States, they never even told Ellie that she was not an American citizen. All the better, they thought, to keep the secret. When she married, they thought she would become a citizen and everything would be alright. That day has apparently come, but even though Ellie finds it relatively easy, if mortifying, to get a green card, citizenship turns out to be complicated to get. You submit a giant application and wait. Your feeling that something big will happen soon proves correct. President Irons makes demands that China reverse its embargoes on rare earths, or the United States will be forced to contemplate all policy options at its disposal, including military force if necessary. It is in the delicate situation it is in this delicate situation that on April tenth, twenty twenty six, the Chinese Prime Minister is assassinated by an unemployed American during a parade in San Francisco. The prime minister is replaced by a younger party official who is eager to show that China is unafraid of the United States. China attacks several islands in the South China Sea that it has long disputed with its neighbors, and President Irons, unwilling to show weakness, responds with a drone attack on bases on the Chinese mainland. The robot war has begun! Yeah! We're gonna blow this shit up. The world's going down, baby. Woo! <laughs> Alright, and that's gonna be on to Chapter 5, The War Machine... So, guys, we got through chapter four. I realize doing a whole chapter is longer, but honestly, I think I like it better. There's a lot more there, uh, and I think that'll be more fun, a little more just easier to, to pick up and go from where we leave off. I think the whole stopping in the middle is kind of tough to follow the story, so I will make sure from now on to do chapters in full. Uh, I think that's going to be better. And I think in the future as well, I'm going to also be adding like my... Uh, the sponsorships, I may redo this whole story with them in mind to put them in the middle. But for now, they're going to stay the way they are for Choice of Robots. But stories going along, going forward are going to have them in the middle so that you don't just... I want you to start out with with me and the story, not with with an ad. I think that's that sucks. So for now, just I'm sorry. It's going to be the way it is. But next story going forward, and then maybe we'll change this one one day. Uh, it's going to be in the middle. So it's a few things. Uh, again, you know... If you like it, please comment. If you hate it, also comment. I love all of it. Share it with people. Share it with friends. Any review helps. Every listen helps. Uh, subscribe. And uh, let's make this a great thing. I'm having a lot of fun. I hope you are too. And I can't wait to do the next one. 
again, it'll be coming out pretty much back-to-back. I'm going to be having episodes on episodes because, again, I'm having fun. Can't get enough of it. All right, I love you all. Have a good one. See you on the next episode. Bye.